Welcome to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Newcomb. I'm your guest. Wait a minute. I'm kidding. I'm your host at another edition of Peer into Recovery Podcast. We have a great guest today. Her name is Lauren Ball. She comes to us from the Rappahannock Area Community Service Board, where she works as a RPRS. Started out in 2018 as a CPRS, thought, nah, I'm an overachiever. I'm going to become an RPRS, which she did successfully at 2019. She has been a peer support worker since 2010 and has been at the Rappahannock Area Community Service Board for the past five years, doing a great job there, and working as the Outreach Substance Use Peer Recovery Specialist, which is a mouthful. Also working as a RAP facilitator since 2011, and uh, a facilitator for NAMI connection groups and peer-to-peer, and also an autodidact, which is a wonderful word I never knew until I met Lauren, and uh, we're going to teach you about autodidactism, a word I just made up very soon. So let's get to it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story of origin, where you came from, and how you got to peer support services yourself, and we'll continue from there. Yes, I came from my mom and dad. Ha, 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 ha. ha you know what? Ha. Now everything comes together. It all makes sense. Yes. No, um, so I grew up in Southern California for half my life, and the other half, I would say, I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, uh, Vienna, to be specific, um, but I pretty much started noticing um, I didn't really fit in with society. Um, I struggled in school, low self-esteem uh, at a young age, um, had suicidal ideations, um, and um, I was very, very grateful and thankful for the parents that I have today. Um, you know, during the dark days, they, they were definitely, uh, there for me. Um, but I wasn't the most easiest, uh, kid to deal with, I would say. Um, they tried everything, but it wasn't until I was complete, like diagnosed with bipolar disorder that it all made sense. Um, you know, the different, the rational thinking, the mood swings, um, you know, the depression, suicidal thoughts, the mania. Um, I would like, I remember as a kid, like, I don't know about you, but I would want to organize my room. And so I would take it apart and then start going into a different area and then just kind of leave it like, uh, like I, I just had all these thoughts, like I could do so much, but I, I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until my first suicide attempt that in I was a freshman in high school in the ninth grade, and that was that was an eye opener. But um, and it was a scary experience. I, I had to go into the Dominion Hospital, and that place is not the most fun place to be for for a kid, and. Um, And then later in life, I kind of went through, you know, I got into recovery and realized like it, my mental health, it started with my mental health, but the drugs and alcohol, um, you know, were my way to cope with everything. Um, And 
then I just kind of probably it's probably about five years ago, Chris, I've been sober for 10 years, but about five years ago, I kind of was in my bed thinking to myself, I know I'm all over the place. It's just how I am. But, um, That's okay. I started thinking to myself, do people grieve, um, suicide attempts, like, especially near death ones, like you, I pretty much went through that experience and, there are people out there that actually there is, there was this website I found and it it was a thing like people actually, you can grieve surviving a suicide attempt. I didn't know about that. I just had all that guilt and shame and angry at myself. And then I realized like five years ago, like, Hey, it's okay. This happened to me. I, I have this opportunity now to, use my story to help others. So they either don't have to go to that point or they can begin the healing process themselves because suicide attempts are a part of my story. And I feel like there's an even bigger stigma now because of it. Cause it's hard to talk about, at least for me, like I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell people I was ashamed, but now it's like, you know, it happened and it's sad absolutely sad. I'd rather, I mean, I'm so happy to be alive and grateful for that, but, and there's a reason I'm here. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's really powerful stuff. And, and, uh, when you talked about the bipolar, you mentioned the sort of the depression and the mania, would you say you, you lean to one side of the other, or are you kind of across the spectrum? Like, cause there's, there's more depressive, bipolar and then there's manic and there's kind of hypomanic in between. And of course I'm not a doctor and this is, this is just um, because you had said, you know, it sounds like there was a flux, like sometimes you're depressed, sometimes you're manic. Manic and then depressed, but very dark. Um, Mm. I would write poetry. It's not necessarily like poetry that's, you know, rhymes or anything. It's just dark writings. And I, I think a lot of that kept me going in my days of like adolescence, because I had these boxes and of just handwritten, um, homes of like how dark and how I really felt about wanting to die. And I don't, I don't know. Part of it was like, was this a, was this, did I really want to die? Or was this, um, just a way to get my feelings out? Um, and sometimes I do look back and I'm like, I'm so glad I can't write like this anymore. That's how I know I'm beginning the, like I'm healing. But mm-hmm. I, I also didn't know how to be happy or get out of that dark place. So I was kind of getting used to it. Like I, I wanted a part of me wasn't ready to let go of that depression. I didn't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, a part of me liked it. Not that I wish it on anyone because it's sure. it's horrible, but a part of me really liked that dark place and I didn't know how to be like other than exist. I felt like all I was doing was existing in life. Well, I mean, you go through, well, let's back up and say we all loved being teenagers. Dear listener, if you agree, uh, know that I am speaking firmly tongue in cheek. <laughs> 
because most of us, <laughs> most of us who went through adolescence, we would be all of us at this point. Uh, you know, you had the zits, you had, um, you know, the, the person that you had the crush on who was, didn't know you existed. And then you had the, you know, the awkward foibles of body changing and all that stuff that in and of itself is enough to make someone want to bang their head through a locker, mm -hmm. add mental health concerns on top of that, add undiagnosed bipolar, add suicidal ideation. And then you've got a recipe for a really miserable existence. I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. I was picked on in high school. I hated high school. Um, but I was resilient. That's the thing. Like I found out I was a lot more resilient than I, than I thought I was. But at that time I didn't have any <clears throat> coping skills. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I was in therapy all the time but I would lie. I was a really great liar. Mm -hmm. I would tell the therapist, everything's going well, life is good. I was on like this high and then I'd get home and I'd be sneaking out or hanging out with people. I shouldn't be hanging out, lying, just not a kind person. I mean, I was kind, but like, I was just, I didn't know what to do in life. Like I, didn't have a plan to go to college. I didn't have a plan. I didn't even graduate high school. I got my GED because mm -hmm. I was just struggling. And it was more of like, I, I just didn't want to be here. I didn't have a purpose. Mm. And it's hard if you don't have a purpose because then you start questioning everything. Well, mm -hmm. why am I going to have this piece of toast? I don't really have a point to be here anyway. Who needs toast, right? I mean, right. that's uh, it's kind of simplistic, but it goes from there all the way down to, you know, they call it like navel gazing where you just sit and look at your belly button and go, why am I here? Where did I come from? Right. You know, and you'll drive yourself batty trying to figure that out. Right. But when you don't have a diagnosis of bipolar or other sorts of, of struggles, then those questions kind of are not in the forefront of someone's life because they're not dealing with the extra. Right. And that extra makes life can make life so difficult. What, um, when do you remember, or do you remember a point where you first started to realize that you felt different than others? Well, I think as a kindergartner or preschooler, I had the nickname baby jaws because I just like to bite kids. So maybe that was... Um, no, did you really? Yes. Baby Jaws. Yes, because I just <laughs> would bite. I was preschool, kindergarten. That's what I've been told. Um, wow. Yeah. I thought so. I mean, when I first met you, I was like, I think she kind of had like a great white thing going on in kindergarten. Yes. And now it yeah. comes true. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, um, I did no. have that. I did have that nickname as a kid. Wow. But um, I would think... I just didn't feel like I fit in and, and I just, I couldn't comprehend things. I had a hard time comprehending life as a kid. I mean, I had a great childhood. I had a loving family, but still I didn't understand that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like I was that kid that would just kind of, I had all these friends apparently. I mean, I had all these friends, birthday parties, whatever, but I just couldn't relate to anyone. Mm. How did that make you feel? Oh, 
low self-esteem. I even had a teacher that was like, just rude to me in the second grade, you know, in school. And so I think that really made my confidence just go downhill. And I just never felt smart, good enough. Um, and then later, that's when the autodidact came in. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time. This is vocabulary. <laughs> Part of the <laughs> this is the vocabulary section of our program. Autodidact is spelled A U T O D I D A C T. Autodidact, go ahead, tell them about it, Lauren. It is someone that is self taught. Yes, simple so, as that. Someone who is self taught. So if you are listening and you are a self taughter, <laughs> I just made that up too. If you teach yourself things, you are, are by nature autodidactic. Yes. So tell us about how autodidactism came into your life. <laughs> well, later in my adulthood, I just started wanting to learn things about psychology, the mind, the brain. Um, I just, if I want to learn something, I'm going to learn it and I'm going to teach myself how to do it. Now that's resilience right there. That's what yes. I hear. Yes. I hear you could have called me baby jaws. But I'm going to end up in this story as an autodidactic Jaws, yes. a, a Jaws of academia. I find yes. out whatever it is. So like Google is your buddy. Google is my buddy, but not Wikipedia because you don't always believe anything in Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, you're, Just saying. You're, you're true. That's right. Not everything you read is true online. Yes. So, but that that's great though, because, you know, if, if you talk about being, you know, struggling in kindergarten and, you know, all kinds of kids struggle, but you know, yours started out that way. And then, it, you know, there's a pattern in second grade. You have Miss Meanie who's not nice to you. Yep. Self-esteem takes a plunge, um, maybe some learning issues or whatever. Yes. But then you found those moments where, hey, when I take control to learn something, suddenly there's an inner power that's there. Yes. And I'm guessing there's probably, it sounds like you were probably a naturally inquisitive person. Sure, probably. I don't always give myself the best credit for things like that. What? So three in the morning, three in the morning on some certain day, you're feeling all didactic. What are you going to look up and try to find? Uh, three in the morning, I'm sleeping. So maybe in my dreams, I'm manifesting um, some, something I'm going to create down the road. Yeah. Are, mm -hmm. are you a creative person? Well, the thing is, I guess I, I used to be very creative. I used to write, you know, all those stories, those, um, those poems. I can't do it anymore. I have switched. I am more left brain than right brain. Interesting. Yes. It's kind of frustrating. I have these creative thoughts, but then I like, eh, I have to logically think about it sometimes. Well, maybe it's a, uh, you know, as a creative myself, um, maybe it's a, a thing of uh, a new season in your life of creativity, which isn't driven so much by the pain mm -hmm. that your other creativity was driven by, it sounds like. Yes, could be. When you talk with folks there at the at, at uh, Rappahannock or in your other peer work, how do you, what do you say when you talk to someone who says, man, I, you know, I've just got this these thoughts about suicide and, and, um, or I've made an attempt and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. What, what do you do? What do you say? 
Um, it kind of depends on the person, really, if they want me to listen, I'll listen. But I try to think about my experience. And when somebody actually listened to me that I that I needed help, or um, I think about, well, first, I ask, like, you know, do they have the thoughts, the plans, I go down that just to make sure they're safe. But really, I just share a little bit of, you know, the hope, like, if I had somebody say, you know, all the stuff you went through in high school, that was horrible. And all the things that you've experienced in your adulthood. I would think about that and how I how I could help that person and give them a little bit of, hey, you know, I'm here to, you know, support you, hold your hand if you need it give you a hug um, and help you begin the healing process. Cause I've had a couple individuals that have been down that road as well. And, and, and I kind of encourage them to share their story with somebody to get it out into the universe, you know, cause there's only so much you can do on writing and, you know, and journaling and all of that. It's, it's actually being able to share your darkest days with somebody um part of your I mean, not not something that would trigger someone obviously but you're just just sharing this i look at it as like that energy with somebody else so they can be able to just say you know what i am not alone and i do have someone i can call if i feel like i don't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. so you create a space for them to be honest Yes, because we think sometimes when, I mean, I know for myself, like I had like a plan with my family, like if I'm in a really dark place, I have an action plan. Like I don't go anywhere. I stay home. Like I think, I mean, I live with my roommates who happen to be my parents, great roommates, the parentals, you know, shout out to them. (laughs) Mom Um, and dad, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't have a relationship with them, a very honest, loving one for on my part. And they did the best they could. And the best thing they could have done was just let me go. And I had to figure it out, even not being in their lives for a while. Wow. So now a part of me, I felt guilty, like, wow, I have I'm blessed to have a great family. So I'm just going to stay with them forever. That's how I'm going to keep that, you know. I'm going to, that's my healing process. And they're just like, oh, Warren, you got to get out and be on your own. Well, I am on my own. I have a job, pay taxes, you know, pay, you know, help them out. But really, I think about some things I still need to work on is that is being able to forgive parts of my story. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's huge because, you know, I mean, I, I think forgiveness Forgiveness is important for all people everywhere for all different kinds of reasons. But uh, mm-hmm. someone, you know, who has who's had a similar story, who's struggled with the self-harm thing, mm-hmm. you know, in self-harm, it's like you are your worst enemy, but you don't want to be your worst enemy. Right. You're not, right. you don't, I don't think you wake up on a Tuesday and go, yes, another opportunity to hurt myself. This is such a great day. Exactly. You know, and I'm looking forward to more of the same tomorrow. Yes. This is so good. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to drag it out for a few years just so I'm super miserable. Like right. people don't do that. No, not yeah. at all. No. It just 
sometimes it happens. You wake up that way. Yeah. And, and so our, you know, our society is really good at performance based worth. Mm -hmm. And, and if you do X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, well, then you have quite a bit of worth. But if you don't, well, you're on the, you know, you're on the backside of the worth scale going down. Right. And so the work that you do as a, as a uh, RPRS is to, um, I would think part of what you're doing is helping people to reclaim worth. Yes. Self-worth, self-compassion, uh, self-esteem. I, I provide these topics in my support groups, you know, just things that will probably, will, show them or, or help them see that they are worth, you know, another day above ground. They're worth having a purpose. It's not just existing. There people I talk to are worth it. We're all worth it. Just sometimes we have to find what our purpose is. It's not to me waking up and doing certain things every day isn't really, you know, necessarily like your career careers change they don't have to be how they used to be back in the day like you can create what you want in life you can create you know your purpose it doesn't have to be a billionaire you know whatever you get my point yeah. you don't have to have things like that but just finding some sort of peace in something and for me even getting out of bed could be difficult and showering, even on a good day, I'm like, oh, do I have to get up? But then I remind myself if I'm getting up, eating, taking my medication, going for walking the dog, then that's a good day. We don't have to think about a good day is, you know, what a lot of people think a good day is, whatever that is. But for me, just getting up in the morning can be a good day especially when the sun's out when the sun is out i'm happy and it's raining so not quite happy at the moment i'm happy to be here with you i'm just not happy that it's it's not sunny it's not sunny here either uh i'm in richmond and you are in fredericksburg fredericksburg yeah. so yeah. uh we are under the same depressive precipitative yes. day yes. But we're doing some peer support right now about rain and yes. the effects on it people does. dealing with rain. And for any of our listeners who might be experiencing rain at this moment, it's okay. You're going to be it's fine. It's okay. We'll be fine. Listen to the sound of my voice. Yes. So, you know, when you get up out of bed, have a shower, get something nice to eat, that's self-care, right? Yes. And I eat waffles for breakfast every day. Well, waffles make everything better. It does. Particularly since you live in the South, I'm going to assume there's a decent amount of butter involved in the pancake or the, the waffles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Butter makes everything better. Yes. I mean, I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist, but if anyone's listening and is just struggling in life, butter. Yep. Makes, makes everything, everything better. Better, <laughs> better butter. <laughs> yep. So someone comes to you and they have a plan. Of course, you do the, uh, you know, the expected, um, protocol of, you know, let's talk about that and get you safe, et cetera. Um, what do you say to someone who um, is just struggling with the ideation, doesn't have a plan, but they have these intrusive thoughts about suicide? How do you, from your experience, strength and hope, what do you share? Um, I just listen. 
just listen, practice my um, listening skills, I guess. But yeah, I think about, I just wanted someone to hear me and no one did. I mean, the, 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 um, the warning signs were all there. And I don't think, I do think we have come a long way since back then, but not nearly enough on mental health and talking about suicide. You said something pretty powerful there. You said you, you listen because you needed someone to listen and no one did. Mm-hmm. What was it like when someone first listened to you? I felt, wow, this things will be okay. I felt like I was a person and the power of the suicidal thoughts just kind of went away at that moment. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, the validation of someone listening to you Mm -hmm. sort of metaphorically slapped the suicide thoughts in the face and said, no, 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 she has value. Yes. Yes. Whatever you're telling her. Yes. I'm overriding that because I'm listening and then I'm affirming that she has value. Yes. And what a great gift to be able to give to other people. Yes. Uh, So what is your favorite part about being alive now? The little things, just seeing other people smile, um, being able to see my nephews grow up. Um, having two friendships, just getting out of bed and, and, and feeling like, Hey, I'm, there are better days ahead. And in this moment, I could either have a good day or a bad day, but it's not as bad as that day I took and attempted to take my life. Nothing is as bad as that day. Mm. Yeah. So you have a benchmark that you never even get close to now because you, right. You're so embracing of life and happiness right. and, and that stuff. And to someone who may be thinking, that's great, Lauren, nice story, but my story is X. Why should I stick around? What might you say? Not to give up. You you have a purpose. You have value. Your life does matter, but... In this moment, you might feel that it doesn't, but just don't give up. Hold on. And sometimes that's all people need to hear is don't give up. We don't need to be fixed. Um, we're not broken. You know, we, we're just human beings and we are worthy. What does being worthy mean to you? I am a person. I am someone who is worth time. I believe in God. So, you know, he wants me here. So you have a divine, uh, in your, your, uh, in your life, you believe you have a divine plan. Yes. That there's a reason that you're here. Yes. And at this moment you would say is peer support and helping folks who struggle with yep. this, this, uh, you know, particular life struggle. And so there are hotlines people can call, right? Yes. There is Mental Health America's peer warm line, and that is nine to five, not, excuse me, nine to nine, Monday through Friday, and five to nine, Saturday, Sunday, and holidays. And that number is 
1-866-400-6428. And then isn't there a new national number? Yes, and that is 988. And is that 24-7-365? Yes. And, and they have crisis counselors. Uh, what else support that you need? I have a collection of um, handouts all over my desk. All yeah. over your desk. Any any other numbers or emails or things that you for people who are struggling with with uh, suicidal ideation or? Um, that's all I have in here. But I do know that the Rappahannock Area Community Service Board has uh, virtual peer drop-in groups. Nice. Um, Yes, uh, I run the Mondays, which is called Remodeled Recovery. Uh, Mondays, 12 to 1 thir- 1230 to 1.30 on Zoom. Same with Serenity Sisters. That is Tuesday, 12.30 to 1.30. Uh, my wonderful co-worker, he runs Rockin' Recovery. That is Thursdays, 3 to 4, and that's a men's group. And Hunger for Hope is Fridays, 3.30 to 4.30, and that's on Zoom. And there's a code for that. And they just go to your... Um, the to Rappahannock the... Area Community Service Board website. Website, Rappahannock yes. Area Community Service Board website, and you yes. can find those things. Yes. And that's great. And you don't have to be in the Rappahannock area to get to be a yes. part of those meetings. You don't though. even have to have meet. You don't even have to have services. You just... Attend in. and drop in great topics on healing and yeah. So if I'm down here in Richmond and decided to jump on one, yes, I can. Yes, no, absolutely. And they're free. Uh, yes, absolutely. Awesome. Free. So Lauren, thank you so much for being a part of our program today. Thank you for having me. I think uh, your story is great and appreciate your honesty and your transparency. Um, and for all those who are listening, if you are struggling with suicide ideation or have a plan, call somebody, 988, call a friend, call your parent, call anybody. You are worth it. You have value. I'm not just saying that. That's the truth. If I saw you sitting in front of me, I would tell you that because every human being has worth and value and your value and your worth is based on the fact that you exist, not what you do, not who you are, or where you come from, simply because you exist. I want to thank our listeners for listening to the Peer Into Recovery podcast which is brought to you by the Virginia Peer Specialist Network and Mental Health America Virginia. And if you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves, everyone. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.